The one thing I talk about all the time is making sure that your business model and your funding strategy match. The reason that matters on day one is that you're going to make very different decisions about who you bring on mm -hmm. as a finance partner, how you build the team, how you scale early on, etc. Um, based on that choice. Hey, welcome to My Company Story. I'm your host, Don Burge. My Company Story is a podcast where I get to interview some of the most interesting business owners and CEOs about the challenges that they've faced and how they've overcome them. Enjoy the show. I'm here today with uh, Grant Hosford. He is the founder and uh, co-founder, I'm sorry, and uh, CodeSpark here at Idea Lab in Pasadena. So Grant, welcome to My Company Story. Thank you, yes. Uh, CEO and co-founder, my co-founder Joe Shockett is a rock star game developer, so I always make sure he gets a shout out. Good. Uh, we wouldn't be where we are without him. All right, I'm glad you gave a shout out to him, correcting yeah. me on that. So uh, Grant, let's talk a little bit about CodeSpark. What is CodeSpark? What do you guys do? Who do you serve? Tell me about the company. Yeah, we're an educational technology company. We're um, about five and a half years old. The way CodeSpark came to be is I was working at a tech incubator in Pasadena called Idea Lab, mm -hmm. fairly well known. Uh, Bill Gross, the founder of Idea Lab, has started over 150 companies in the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. And I was the idea killer for him. I was trying to take his ideas and prove that none of them would work. And then if I couldn't do that, we would turn it into a company. Okay. Um, as I was doing that, uh, I was learning a little bit about kids coding, mainly at the high school level. And right around that time, my young daughters, who were four and six at the time, came and asked me how computers work. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a super cool question. And so I thought, man, I want to introduce them to an ABCs of computer science. That must exist, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So I went on a search, and I figured a few Google searches, and I would have what I needed. But um, there was nothing. And not only was there nothing, but the things that I did find were mainly for older kids and very boy-centric, which annoyed me, frankly, as right. a dad of two curious little girls. So um, I became obsessed with the idea that we should be teaching all kids about computer science the way we are English and math and other foundational skills because we live in a world where software touches everything we do. And I don't believe that everyone should be a programmer, to be clear. I believe everyone should be able to work with a programmer. Great. Good. Fantastic. Now, how long ago was that, Grant? When did you so, have that revelation? When did that spark go off in your head? Yeah. So it went off in my head in spring of 2013. Okay. And then I did about six months of research because my second thought was, well, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe you can't teach young kids about computer science. Right. And people have tried to do it and it didn't work. Okay. Right. Yeah. So I went looking for research. Unfortunately, immediately I found um, some great research from MIT and Tufts University showing that you could teach kids as young as four the right. logical thinking behind computer programming if you did three things you got the keyboard the mouse and syntax out of the way syntax is how code is written okay. typically okay. right what you don't want to do is have a five-year-old worry about where their semicolon goes you want them to worry about like okay if I have this little chunk of code and I repeat it three times, what happens? Oh, all right. right. Okay. So, so that's what we do. And um, the way our product is different in the marketplace is basically around three things. One, we have a no words interface. So you don't have to be able to read. Um, it's all iconography based. Two, 
um, we're very girl friendly, as you might imagine, yes, given good. the origin story. So not only do we have great girl characters, I call them kick-ass characters because right. they're ninjas and astronauts and things any kid would want to be. Um, but we focus on creativity and what you can do with code. And both boys and girls love that, right? So you don't need to, it's not language that you don't need to speak or any language, right? It's all iconic, right? Yeah, it's all visual. Um, and so it turns out this was actually not something we you know, fully considered when we launched, but it turns out that the approach is not only good for kids who don't read yet or kids from other countries, but for any kid with any kind of reading-related disability as well, or challenge, oh, right. right? So if you have ADHD or dyslexia or uh, you're on the autism spectrum, right? Um, all of these things can impact your reading. They don't always, but they can. And so our product is super easy for those kids to use. So yeah. like a story, we just got an email from a mom, uh, I think just five days ago, and her seven-year-old son is autistic and uh, legally blind. Wow. And he made an amazing story about superheroes on our app that he programmed himself. Uh, it's about a five-minute story. It's wow. super cute and funny. Um, and so, you know, we we stumbled into it, reached out to this mom, didn't know who the kid was. Right. Turned out that this was his story. And then when we sent him a T-shirt and told him we liked his story, he was over the moon. Oh, you know? I'll bet. Fantastic. So so what's cool about what we're doing is we're having a real impact and, and kids get excited about computer science in a way that they probably wouldn't otherwise. Now, is this kind of a mom like that? Does she have anything out there like CodeSpark to help her child or, or is... Are you guys the forefront in this industry and really leading the way in discovering and learning yeah. as you go? Well, I, there's there's a lot of small products that claim to teach coding that are really just like puzzles that mm -hmm. teach some of the early logic. There's nothing for this age group that allows them to create the way our product does. And so on CodeSpark Academy, you can develop your own video games and you can develop your own interactive stories. And imagine, when I say that, imagine a comic strip come to life. Right. How old right? are these kids that are doing this? So these this kids then? are as young as four. Four years old and they're yeah. creating their own comic strips. Yeah. And they're, 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 wow. And they can, like, they can share the games and stories with a community of kid creators. Oh, wow. And then the kids become inspired from each other. Yeah. And they can actually look at each other's code and learn from that. So one of the coolest things that's happened um, in terms of that sharing is we had a kid in Japan who figured out that with a timing block and a disappear command, he could make an elevator where you walk on a block in the disappear state and then when it reappeared, it would push you up and you could do that over and over. Yeah. Uh, he published this game with an elevator on a Tuesday and by that Friday, we had over 8,000 games with elevators. Oh my gosh. So yeah. other kids saw this little thing that this guy made and used it in their game. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's right. all through the academy? That's all through CodeSpark Academy, which is, you know, it's available on iOS and Android and the web. Um, and the way we work as a business is we actually give the product to public schools for free mm -hmm. um, and then if you want to use it at home we charge a subscription I see so that's how we build a you know a business while reaching as many kids as possible so how long ago did you start the business how are you guys organized you said you yeah. have a partner what does he yep. do and what do you do so uh, we joke that if code spark were personified he'd be the code and I'd be the spark <laughs> All um, right. yeah so Joe is a brilliant game developer um, and computer scientist in his own right 
he uh, leads the product team and is really responsible for why it looks as great as it does and why it works as well as it does. I had the original idea for how we would connect with kids and then I run business development and marketing and as CEO, of course, I'm responsible for fundraising. Um, so we were very complimentary in terms of skill set. We started the company together in March of uh, 2014. Okay. So we're about five and a half years old. And, um, you know, so far, so good. I, I'm wearing a shirt I, I think I mentioned right before the show. We reached our the 10 million download uh, mark on iOS in November. Wow, congratulations. Um, 10 million downloads in yeah. four and a half years. Yeah, or yeah. Or less, really. Well, because we, la- yeah, we launched uh, right at the end of 2014. So, Fantastic. Yeah, about five years. Congratulations. Thank That's you. That's wonderful. Yeah. So here we are at Idea Lab, and you were part of Idea Lab before you started CodeSpark. So yep. tell us a little bit about how you are fitting into this or what, what, how the company fits in within this organization. Yeah, so what's cool about Idea Lab is, you know, it's a true incubator with a shared services model where we've never had to hire a finance, HR, legal, or PR person Great. because we use the services here in Idea Lab. Um, when it was just Joe and I, we used everything they had, basically. Yep. As we've, you know, developed our team and built out marketing and so forth, we use less, but we still rely on those shared services. And then Bill, because he's started so many companies, he's kind of seen and done everything. Mm-hmm. And he gives really meaningful feedback around fundraising, mm. around product development, et cetera. I'll bet. Yeah. That's neat. So uh, currently the board is just uh, you know Bill, his partner, Marsha, and myself. So a very simple company structure. We're a C-Corp. We have raised uh, meaningful capital, just over $5 million. Um, and, you know, we're growing pretty steadily. Uh, we now have over 2 million kid users a month. Those are wow. mostly in schools. Per month. Per month. 2 million. 2 million. Worldwide. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah, and we estimate we've reached between 35 and 40 million kids in total. Wow, that's fantastic. It's it's fun. And, and you know, I've had some cool moments in the journey of this company. Like, I showed up in a classroom in Uruguay, in Montevideo. We have a government partner down there that we work with. And um, when I held up one of our characters, it was a little stuffed animal called the Glitch, the entire class erupted, Los Foos! <laughs> because our characters are called Foos, and, and they all knew the game. You know, oh, it was neat. super cool. Yeah, so... Um, you really have an impact in the world then, and, and on kids learning yeah. coding and not being scared of computers and not being scared of coding and, and getting comfortable with that. Well, and that what you just said is a really important uh, statement because so many parents and teachers are intimidated by coding mm. and they think of it the way it's been portrayed in media for a long time as this, you know, super smart genius in their basement hacking away. With the hoodie up and yeah. zipped up, yeah. Yeah, and it's not. It's a team sport that's very exciting. You know, usually coders work with designers and um, with marketing people and business development and it's much more there's much more give and take than people realize Um, and the ability it's really a creative medium um, for self-expression right right? Right. and the kids who don't get exposed to it are missing out right it's like not being exposed to music yeah good point Um, Mm. so anyways we've had a lot of fun with it you know we think we're making a positive difference and we feel like that in some ways we're just getting started yeah yeah well it sure sounds like you're making a positive difference on things so Grant let me ask you what I ask everyone who comes on this show every entrepreneur and founder then of the challenges that you have found in running the company starting it from scratch doing the research the whole journey you just described that you've been on what challenge comes to mind and then how did you overcome that 
Yeah, I mean, there's so many, right? There's building the first team, there's fundraising, there's awareness. I think I can talk about a couple things. So one is, um, one really important one, I do some mentoring of early stage entrepreneurs now. And one thing I talk about all the time is making sure that your business model and your funding strategy match. Tell me about that. So what I mean by that is there's plenty of businesses that are you know, have the potential to be a really good business, mm -hmm. but aren't, say, for example, a VC fundable business, right? And so if you have a business model that's really more of a, you know, medium growth business, okay, uh, let's say it's, it, it has the potential to go from zero in revenue to five million in revenue over 10 years. Okay. It's a nice business. Nice, comfortable right? business. Right. But a VC doesn't want to invest in that. Right. Right. They want a business that's going to go zero to a hundred million. Right. So um, the reason that matters on day one is that you're going to make very different decisions about who you bring on mm -hmm. as a finance partner, how you build the team, how you scale early on, etc., um, based on that choice. So right? knowing, knowing whether your company has the potential to go up to $100 million or just or you want to take it right. there, That's or right. you're comfortable at, at $5 million and you're and you just want to be there, knowing yep. that at the beginning is what the uh, what you've learned from this journey. I just think uh, you ha you are much more likely to be successful if you get that right on day one. Now there's a bunch of other things that have to go well, right. but if you screw that up, it can really mess up the growth trajectory of your company because you're not working with the right partners, basically. Right. 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 Um, you know, one case is more of a bootstrap scenario where you could should get money by hook and by crook and from friends and family and just kind of make it work. And the other one is you should get as much money as you can and hire as fast as you can and grow as fast as you can. And those are two really different, um, you know, uh, strategies, strategies in terms yeah. of in how you execute. So did you know that when you, because you had some experience with Bill Gross and here at Idea yep. Lab before you started CodeSpark, did you realize what you just said at the time that you started the company and said, all right, I know where I'm going to go. I know I'm going to take this $100 million. This is our direction. Yeah, what I would say is that we knew what we wanted to do, right? Okay. Whether it works out and you build the next unicorn is a whole different thing. But we knew we wanted to swing for the fences and we were going to make decisions that supported that. Got it. Right. Got and it. we've done that along the way. So if the choice has been like, do we try to grow fat, you know, raise money and grow faster or just plug along? In general, it's been, you know, raise money, raise and grow money faster. and go faster. Yeah. 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 And it's fun too. It sounds like yeah and you're making an impact in the world which is the bigger part of it yeah, yeah 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 and i think and we also we knew our business model based on the age group we were targeting and our own experience we knew we were going to build a subscription app mm -hmm. um and that helped as well a lot of people go into you know these businesses that are consumer businesses thinking well i'm just going to get as many people as possible and then I'm going to figure out how to make money. Mm. We always had a really solid plan around we're going to build up, you know, a base level of usage and then we're going to flip a switch and turn on subscription. And we're going to, you know, if that uh, makes a bunch of people go away, so be it. We're going to suck that up and we're going to keep moving. And that's what we did. Is that because your priorities were set up uh, uh, the way you just described or why is that? So when we looked out at the landscape of kids educational products in 2013, we saw that only two types of companies were making money. One was a company that was taking advantage of billion dollar IP. So they mm. had like access to Frozen, you know, right. or the Minions or whatever. Right. Um, we didn't have that. The other was subscription companies. And the best example in our own backyard was a company called ABC Mouse. ABC uh, Mouse. Yep. The, 
technically the company is called Knowledge Adventure, but the product that they're known for is ABC Mouse. Okay. And it's a kindergarten prep um, product online, and parents pay $8 a month to have their kids go in and practice their reading and writing oh, and that okay. sort of thing. All right. right. So it's a similar space. And that company is almost a $200 million a year company. Now. Wow. Yeah. So we knew that that model could work. Yep. Uh, we knew people who were there, and we, we were basically you know, copying that model with tweaks for the market we were going after. And Grant, did you do that during your research phase when you were uh, deciding whether to build this company or whether it had some merit yeah. or not? You discovered these kind of things and then built around that? Yeah, so that's another maybe interesting thing to talk about in terms of early stage. We knew, I, I built a paper prototype, which is a fancy name for a bad board game. <laughs> I learned a lot from that paper prototype in terms of how kids would and wouldn't interact with the product. Um, I did market research on business model and went pretty deep on that. So I knew that I wanted to build a subscription company. Um, we also knew what our art style was going to be. Mm -hmm. So art really matters for this age group in I'll terms bet. of how the characters look. And so I did two months of interviewing parents in malls and Starbucks and places like that. And then I did a big online survey. And this was all before we wrote a line of code. Wow. Yeah. So Grant, you must, let me ask, I mean, if you don't want to answer this, it's okay, but yeah. I mean, how do you support your family during all this time when you're doing research and no money's coming in the door? Yeah, so this is one of the reasons we're an Idealab company, actually, because the Idealab model is that they'll give you a small amount of capital while you're in this phase, oh. and then they help you raise your first round of capital. Now, it's not cheap. It's, no. They take equity, right? Right. But for us- You can buy groceries still and, that's and right. live, right? Yeah, and I, you know, I have three kids, I had a wife who was just coming out of cancer treatments, oh. so I needed healthcare. Um, and so for us, Idealab was really a perfect solution. Got it. Interesting. Yeah. So that answers that question then. Yeah. So you've got some time and, and some backers and some money who believe in what you're doing. Your job at that time is to eat groceries, but go out and figure this out. That's right. Got yeah. it. And then come up with the design and, and move everything forward. That's right. And to be clear, it wasn't like I was paying myself as, you know, the way I used to get paid in my corporate life. Right. right? But it was enough to keep the lights on and make sure, you know, we weren't... Uh, having repo men show up in right. the middle of the night or something like that. <laughs> right, right, exactly, yeah. yeah. Fantastic, good. Are there other challenges you can think of along the way? I'm sure there are many that you've gone across or yeah. others that you may want to pass along to other entrepreneurs who are listening or other business owners that are out there. Well, I think um, two. So one is about culture building I'll talk about, and the other is um, on the fundraising side of things. And I think, you know, maybe I'll talk about fundraising first. So the first is that continuation of the theme of just like know how you're building the company and how each step of the fundraising process uh, is both, you know, a fulfillment of what you've done to date, but also setting you up for the next round. So for example, you don't want to be super aggressive on how you push for valuation early on in the company's history, because if you get that valuation out of whack with your stage, uh, it'll be very hard to raise the next round of capital. Oh, I see. Right? So you if you're over aggressive saying, we're going to value way up here, yeah. that's okay for now. But the next time you go, it's going to make it much harder. That's right. And you might sell some early investors who are, you know, maybe they're angels and, and so their checks are smaller and they have less say, or maybe they're less sophisticated because it's friends and family or whatever the case may be. You might convince some people early on to accept a valuation that is probably higher than it should be. But it really messes with the process from that point forward. Down the road. Yeah. And so one of the things you want to get, um, 
you know, educated on. And I really recommend a book by Brad Feld. Uh, and it's called like how to be smarter than your VC or something. But, <laughs> but if you look at it's F E L D F E L D Brad Feld. Yeah. And Brad does a great, um, uh, he does a podcast and he also does a blog. So, um, that book goes through the different rounds of capital that you would typically raise in a VC backed company and what to focus on at each stage and how each stage builds on the next one. Great. So that's one thing I recommend. Good a lot. advice. The other one is team building. Um, so we do something that I don't talk a ton about, but that's really important to us, which is we only hire people who have either been a teacher or a coach for the age group that we focus on. That makes sense. Yeah. No matter what job you're hiring for, they have that's to right. have had education back, a uh, teacher or a coach. Yeah. And we've only had one exception to that. And we made, uh, it was one of our developers who's a really great developer and developers are hard to come by. So our solution was we made him a shadow, a first grade teacher for two days. Oh, great. And I can, because he also doesn't have kids. kids. Mm -hmm. And so um, I can tell you that it was very eye opening for him. For him? Like, yeah, because what you don't see is how hard it is for a first grade teacher just to get 15 kids to get the iPads, sit down with them, turn them on, and get logged in. And right? he, he, he saw that firsthand for a couple of days, yeah. didn't he? So all of a sudden, you're like, oh, that's why they need a code to make it easy to log in, yep. right? Yep. That's why the teacher wants to be able to turn other parts of the app off so they focus on loops or conditional statements or whatever it is. Right, 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 right. right. Interesting, yeah. fascinating. That's great. That's great. And then the last one I would say, and, and I think this is true of any product, but in particular with B2Cs, is just be um, obsessive about uh, customer testing, right? We test with kids in the age group pretty much every week, all year round. Every week, all year yeah. round, you're testing in person, you're testing, or how does so, it look? So I would say it's in person about 60% of the time. Okay. And then the rest of it is feedback through a network of teachers that we've developed. So we have over 200 teachers mm -hmm. who give us direct feedback from their classroom. And then we have a similar group of kid testers that are using the app at home who they tell their parents things that they wish were you know, available in the app or features they'd like to see and the parents email us. And so that gets back to you and your programmers. So you guys yeah. then take that information and you build out or, or act on that what you've learned. That's right. It's a continuous loop. Then. That's right. Wonderful. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Grant, thanks so much. Do you have any other, well, before I wrap it up here, how would people get a hold of you? I'd sure. like to find out about that. And also any last minute bits of advice for uh, entrepreneurs who are listening? Well, let's see. So you can reach me on Twitter. I'm at, 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 at CodesparkCEO uh, on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. You can just look up Grant Hosford, H-O-S-F-O-R-D. Um, those are the two easiest ways probably to connect with me. And I'm pretty good at checking both. Right. Um, you know, I think if there's a, if you're a late stage entrepreneur, I would say, um, you know, I'm just figuring that out. Right. I'm kind of a medium stage entrepreneur <laughs> at this point. But, um, you know, I think there you can always stay focused on culture building and making sure that you have the culture that's right for your company. For example, we spend a lot of time making sure that we have a really diverse team and we're very proud of that and it's super hard work. Mm -hmm. So we're 50% women, 50% people of color. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, in the tech industry, that's not easy to accomplish, but it's, super, it's very important for us, especially because even though we're small, we consider ourselves a global company, right? right? And we wanna have that global perspective. Um, 
The other thing is, uh, I would say is, uh, build time in for yourself. Mm-hmm. I, I think I'm a better entrepreneur recently because I've been doing things that are more fun for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. So I recently joined a bike club where when I travel, I can rent a bike for really cheap and get out on a bike ride. And I've been, it's made my attitude about travel much, much different. That's you know? great. And I'm working in a bike trip on about 80% of my trips. Wow. Um, and then recently I completed my first ever bike meeting with a VC and it was awesome. <laughs> That's we rode for two hours in San Francisco. I got to hear a bunch of stuff about the industry that I never would have heard about in a half hour coffee meeting. Yeah. And, you know, we have a better personal connection, right? Because we got this time to hang out. So, um, you know, if you have hobbies like that and you can carve out time for them, I say do it. And it's, I would flip the switch. It's not selfish. It's actually good for your business. Grant, that's probably the best piece of advice you have saved for the very end of the show. So <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much for your time today. I had a great interview and uh, best of luck. All right. Thanks, Don. Sure thing. Great, great to be here. Hey, thanks for listening to My Company Story. We have new episodes coming out every week, so please subscribe if you like this. And if you'd like to hear previous episodes, you can go to mycompanystory.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if you or someone you know would be interested in coming on the show, please email me at don at Thanks for listening.